Hi folks, Bob Main here with another episode of today's survival show, helping you do what you can with what you have, wherever you are. As most of you know, I try to keep this show practical, rooted in common sense, family friendly, and just giving you some good ideas that you can use every day. I don't go tinfoil hat on you, I just keep it common sense based. This is episode number 249. I want to extend apology. I know it's been a while since I put out a recent podcast. The last one I did was a little over a month ago. Uh, just I got a lot of things going, folks. I got a lot of things going. You know, I was given the all clear. My cancer appears to be gone. I am going in for another test, however, at the end of this month. Um, and I hope that it does not come back because that's not a good thing if it comes back. So I'm, I'm still dealing with that and still deal, dealing with some stuff with my wife's illness and uh, my son's having a couple of challenges and things. And, uh, you know, it's one thing after another. Uh, sometimes it's hard to know what God's plan is, but I still remain faithful. Um, I know that the Lord Jesus has a plan. He has a plan for all of our lives, and there is a plan for mine and my family's. Speaking of plans, I do plan to give you some good ideas in this particular episode, number 249. Now... Mexican Joe is very active on our forum, and he's contributed several podcasts to this show before. This is another one, and I think it's probably his best one he's done. Diversity Preparedness. Uh, really good. It's going back to the basics, and that's one of the reasons why uh, the show title is Going Back to the Basics, Diversity Preparedness, because, I, I, you know, this, this makes so much sense. And as he says in this in, in this uh, guest podcast, if you've got somebody that is a little bit on the fence about prepping, do you know someone like that? I do. I do. As a matter of fact, I'm going to try to get them to listen to this particular episode. you got somebody that's on the fence. This is a really good one because he keeps it, like I say, he keeps it rooted in common sense. And I, I just think there's a lot of good basic information on here. And we have to go back to the basics once in a while. Keep in mind, folks, you've got to go back to the basics. That's important. So, here we go. Mexican Joe's guest podcast. Okay, Mexican Joe back again to help Bob out with another podcast. Um, me and Super Dave have been kind of mulling stuff around as we're going through our different preps and going over stuff. And I'd heard something that uh, kind of got me thinking. Uh, it was just talking about football and some other stuff going on around here and how the coaches tend to want to take you back to basics so I thought well you know we've been doing this for so long that sometimes we lose sight of the basics and we've got so many new people coming in uh, into the uh, lifestyle and into our area that we are turning around and we're going back to basics to refresh people with other stuff stuff that we already do and know but we take it for granted that everybody else knows it it's like reading i mean people take it for granted that everybody can read and then you get a child walking up to you asking you to read this to them or explain that so i figured we better stop and back up a little bit and go back to basics um well this real interview here is just it's just me going over some stuff i've been taking some notes over the last couple of weeks on this and i'm looking at it as diversity uh, preparedness um, a lot of people get really focused in one area of uh of preparedness and being a prepper and they forget about the other stuff and the only way to actually be a really good prepper 
in my view, and I think in a lot of other people's views, is to be diversified, to be very wide in your in your prepper footprint, so so to speak. Okay, this is also, uh, since it is real basic, it's a really good episode for you to actually share this with your friends who, what in the preparedness world, we call still sleeping or not yet awake. Uh, they don't see the forest for the trees. They don't see what's coming, and so therefore they're reluctant, and you're one of those crazy prepper people. Okay, so here, here we go. We're going to get into a couple things here. Okay, um, a lot of these are facts, and some of them are my own opinion. If they're more my opinion, I'll kind of let you know there. Okay, disaster uh, drops uh, hundreds of thousands of lives each year. Each disaster has lasting effects on both people and property and makes you fear what you cannot control due to lack of planning. That's where we, as preppers, were prepared for disasters and things that happen. So when these things do come up, it makes our decision-making so much simpler. It, it just makes sense. It's like a child, you know, you, they can't read. Well, I can read. It just makes sense to be able to read. You don't know what you know until somebody else shows you that, you know, they don't know that. So, um, proper planning solves a lot of, a lot of problems. Okay? Um, you can reduce the impact of a disaster and the stress by being prepared. And sometimes you can avoid the danger completely. Um, there's an easy one for that with me is you know you know hurricane uh hurricane katrina i mean hurricane sandy i mean if it's a hurricane and they say to get out of the way do it get out of there you know use it as your bug out scenario and what's great about a hurricane is it's not like a tornado or an earthquake or a terrorist attack any of these other things, even if you want to get an economic collapse, you can see it's looming in the distance, but you're never sure when it's going to actually happen. Okay, a hurricane, they can see it hundreds and thousands of miles away headed this way. So you end up with time to get out, time to prepare. So even in my scenario up here in northeast Texas, um, we get basically just batten down the hatches when we see it coming we don't have to leave because we're so far inland but we do have friends um uh my amazon prepper and a couple others down there in houston that they have to get out uh and i actually probably need to post the interview i did with the amazon prepper about getting out um so that's something to think about if, you, if you've got time to react to some of these things get out okay that's just some more stuff on it um uh, let me look here. I'm going through my notes here. I'm actually trying a new a new way of doing this using notes so I don't get all sidetracked. Okay, being prepared can reduce your uh, your fear, anxiety, and the losses accompanying a disaster. Uh, communities, families, and individuals should know what to do in the event uh, of a disaster of any realm. Now, if we've got a fire in the area, you're going to react to that different than you're going to react to a hurricane. There's all these different scenarios, but what's really simplifies being a prepper and being prepared for anything is that whether it is economic collapse uh, hurricane, tornado uh, zombie apocalypse, whatever it is all the roads lead to the same place you're always going to have to deal with your water, your food, your security your housing, so all of it really leads to the same place um, very few have their own particular preparation that you would not use for the others you know nuclear holocaust yes i don't have a, a nuclear suit to get me through that i don't have a bunker to survive you know a nuclear a nuclear holocaust 
Um, you know, EMP, CME, okay, yeah, we can handle all that. All the electricity goes out. Okay, great. Uh, comet, meteor impact, maybe not so much. You know, you can only do with what you, you know, with what you got. So prepare as much as you can with what you're doing. Okay, uh, let me continue on here. Um, if a disaster occurs in your community, uh, your local, your local and federal government will provide disaster relief and they will try to help you, okay? I say try because they can't always do it. But you need to be ready as well. Local responders may not be able to reach to your immediate to you immediately, or they may not even have a focus on you. They may have a bigger problem somewhere else. Um, during a lot of uh, of the fires and stuff that happened in some of these major cities, people get upset because there's a disaster, whether it be a fire or an earthquake, that somebody's not helping their area. They've got a bigger problem someplace else. Yes, your residence and your residential neighborhood is on their list. But until they get the infrastructure back up, they're not going to be able to help anybody. So they're trying to get the infrastructure back up, and they're also trying to help the, the most amount of people that they can at one time. So it's called triaging, and I'm sorry, but the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, to quote a Star Trek. So just keep that in mind. Um, you know, back to Hurricane Katrina. I mean... They were helping as many people as they could, and they just couldn't get to everybody, and they couldn't get to everybody as quick as everybody. Now, uh, FEMA says that you should have, you know, a three-day, a three-day supply, and be ready, be prepared to be self-sustained for three days. Okay, I think that's the bare minimum. Okay, uh, they say they say be prepared for three days. Uh, this means providing for your own shelter, first aid, food, water, uh, and sanitation. I, Okay. Um, back to Katrina. It was roughly three days before they even showed up. And then that was to the first people they showed up to. Not to the people who were farther in or to the people who may have been in the outlying areas. So I say that, yes, I mean, I think you could prepare for a three-day hold-in or bug-in, some kind of disaster. You should be able to prepare for that and have the funds to do that within the one month. I mean, that doesn't take really all that much at all. Okay? Then your next goal should be one week. And then your goal after that should be one month. I don't actually think that within two to three months you, you, you it should be out of the realm of possibility for you to have all of your, a bunch of your food, water, and so forth preparations for a month. Within three months, you could have a month's worth of stuff saved up. Okay, it's not real expensive. I'm not going to go too into every different thing too much because each each subject here is its own podcast. So this is really a, a rough overview of everything we're talking about. Okay, so I'm saying go for a month and then go from there. Try to get to a month. Okay, if you, one, if you if you're self sufficient for a month, three weeks to a month, one, you don't have to go to those to the disaster camps and look like a refugee and sleep on a cot with a bunch of other people okay um, you're not putting a stress on the system I mean there are people you know in my scenario I live out in the country out in the rural area you know but there are people that live in, in, in town and they need help they may not have my resources and they may not have, have prepped and been awake so they're going to need the help so I don't want to go in there make a big problem bigger by taking me and my family in there and then drawing on those resources. I'd rather those resources go to the people who really need it and not to me who is perfectly capable of handling my own stuff. 
Okay, so you know, uh, would you want to be based in a community center? You know, with a refugee, five other five hundred other people. I mean, me personally, I don't. Um, the problem with you know these disaster relief places, whether it be a community center or a big coliseum like they had in Houston, is that the housing will be restricted. It'll have many restrictions. Uh, what kind of stuff can you bring in? How much stuff can you bring in? There'll be no weapons allowed. You know, so there's that kind of stuff. You know, if you bring food in, you have to turn around and take your food if they let you in with food, and they will make you turn that food in to their commissary so then they can turn around and dole that food back out. Okay. You may have certain issues like gluten intolerance or other stuff like that that they they're not going to be subject to help you with that. You're going to get what they cook. You know, and if you're gluten intolerant and they've made a bunch of pasta and sauce, you can't eat it. Or if you do, you're going to be sick. So, staying out of those places is a better way is a better way to handle it. Um, you know, have your property prepared, uh, have your work done, uh, and as not to create a, a problem for other for other people and the, and the bigger system. Okay. Hey, I just wanted to interject some things here, uh, take a little bit of a break. First of all, don't you love this? You get his roosters crowing in the background and everything, <laughs> and I think that's great. Uh, I am gluten, gluten intolerant. I have been diagnosed with celiac disease also. That was probably six or seven years ago. So, you know, storing food for me is a challenge. I have to store gluten-free foods, and they're a little bit more expensive but, you know, in a stink-hit-the-fan situation, the last thing I want to do is to be getting sick from the food I'm eating. So I wanted to kind of interject that here because Joe brings up a very good point. You know, and you you got to be real careful with what you what you pack away and what you prepare, uh, what, what kind of food you pack away. But especially for me, that's an interesting challenge because i got to do things gluten-free. Now, during the break, I also want to say, you know, I hope you get a lot of good information from my shows. And from the guests who also contribute, like like Joe. This show, I don't play a bunch of commercials on this show, as most of you know. I don't have a bunch of sponsor commercials talking about things you might not even care about, right? Uh, that frustrates me when I listen to other podcasts. I don't know if it frustrates you, but I hate lots of commercials. So all I do is for a few minutes each show, I talk about ways that you can support today's survival show. The best way and the way that doesn't cost you any extra money. If you're going to make an Amazon purchase of prepping supplies or anything, go to www.todayssurvival.com, click the Amazon store page, and purchase through my link. If you do that, you still get to participate in Amazon pricing. It doesn't cost you any extra money. You are going to spend that money anyway, right, on something? But I get a little bit of a uh, of a commission on that, and it helps to support the efforts that I do here at today's Survival Show. You can also invest in any of my Survival Champions Club podcasts. If you go to todayssurvival.com, in the right-hand side of the page, you'll see the Survival Champions Club podcasts. You'll see what they're about. You'll see who they're interviewing. Uh, most of them are interviews. You'll, you'll understand the topics. You can look. You can research that a little bit, and they're twenty-five bucks a piece, or you can get the entire collection for only seventy-five. Many of you have done that, and it seems like the feedback is very good. 
Now, I also want to put out a call to join our forum. Uh, click the forum button, join the forum, send me an email after you join so I can approve your account right away. And that's the best way I keep spammers out. But many listeners are on the forum, including Joe, who's doing this episode. So if you want to convert or uh, converse with, with like-minded preppers like yourself who keep things rooted in common sense and don't go tinfoil hat because I, I, you know, I make sure that our forum doesn't go tinfoil hat, I'd love to have you. Again, send me an email, bob at todayssurvival.com. One more thing. If you download this show from iTunes, would you do me a favor? Would you head on over to iTunes and give it a review? I'd appreciate that. You know iTunes, a lot of people read those rev- those reviews on iTunes. And it makes, you know, when someone's searching for a prepping podcast and a survival podcast and they, and they see a lot of really good reviews on iTunes, they're much more likely to listen. All right, that's enough for the break. Let's get back to Joe. Okay, we'll go into here. Here's, here's the what, what. I think, and the prepper community really thinks you need, and I'm sure there'll be some prepper who's an advanced prepper, you know, what I consider myself an advanced prepper, who's going to say that I missed this or I missed that. Please keep in mind that this is general stuff. This is not getting in-depth in any one item. I'm going to go as deep as I think I need to to kind of get the word out. Okay. And these are kind of in the order I think you need to worry about them. Okay, first off is water. Uh, the human body needs water before it needs food or much else. Um, ensure you have water stocked up. Um, have the means to gather and purify water, if at all possible. That Everything you do, if you can do everything to the second and third level of each item, then you're going to be a lot better off. You're going to be able to not have that stress, not have that worry that, okay, when your water bottles run out, whether they be half liter, eight ounce, five gallon, whatever, 55 gallon drums of water, whatever you're doing, when that runs out, you'll have the means to gather and purify more water. Okay. So everybody thinks, okay, well that covers water, Joe, you're good there. No, we're not done there. You need to keep in mind that you're going to need four times the water that your body needs per person. So you're going to start doing the math on this one now. When you start calculating how many people or how many people you think will be there. Because we think that we have, you know, ourselves and our immediate families that live in the house, but how many of your family and friends are you going to let come with you, come and stay with you if there's a problem? Okay, when it comes to why you need four times the water, because obviously you need water to drink, okay? Um, Because later on we're going to get into here, into the dry foods and whatever, you need water to cook, okay? You need water to clean your body, okay? And then you need water for sanitation. Now... The greatest thing about, you know, the invention of the toilet is that when you use it, all you really have to do is pour water into it, and just the way it's it was designed, it flushes and everything goes away. Great. Awesome. It takes water to do that. Okay? Also, when you're dealing with your water, you obviously have your drinking water and your purified water, but let's say you have unpurified water. Don't you don't have to clean all of your water for that. You can have separate sanitation water that can be water runoff that comes off of a shingled roof. Okay? You don't need to purify that to then turn around and flush it down your toilet. Okay? So keep that in mind. So water is a big one, and to me, water is the first. Because you need water well before you need food. Okay. Then let's get into the little bellies we got to fill. Food. When you think preparedness, uh, we like to think ta- long term. Okay? That's because... 
to be able to prepare and have this stuff, this stuff's going to sit somewhere long term. Okay? And it may sit for two to three years, and God willing, we never use it. And that would be awesome. And then we just rotated it, rotate it out. We buy new stuff. We put it up there to replace the old stuff. And we bring the old stuff in the house. Or if we want to give it to a food shelter. You know, whatever you want to do with your food that's being phased out, do it. That's fine. You know, I personally would, you know, because I'm doing so much with so many different things, you know, if somebody's down on the luck, yeah, I'll give them, you know, the food directly. You know, food shelter, whatever you want to do. Um, so keep in mind that we're going to get into, when you get into the food, you want to get into long-term food. Okay. Most people start easy, okay? I am typically as lazy as I can be. I'm going to do it the easiest way I can do it to get the job done right, okay? If the job's not going to be done right, it's going to take me more effort to get the job done right. So, let's start with how we how we gather our food. Okay, canned food is usually the best place to start. Um, I happen to like uh, four packs of canned food because they have the plastic... Uh, uh, wrap on them and that keeps the cans from getting any moisture to them and all you do is every time you go to the store get a four pack of this get a four pack of that get food that you eat um, my son likes corn my daughter likes green beans okay great for three dollars a week I, I get one of each and those are for them to start eating okay that's this is just canned goods um, tomato sauce because there you're going to get into pasta and stuff later on. You can make something taste like something very quickly. Um, some people say get glass because glass is very good. Uh, my friend Dawn, uh, who's over in the Longview area, she likes glass because glass really doesn't go bad compared to cans really long term. Problem is, if you're an earthquake area or if you're worried about that, you've got to worry about glass breaking. Okay, so you play that out however you feel you need to. But just stocking up on this stuff... Uh, is, is a really good place to start. Okay, next we're going to get into dry goods. Um, dry goods, which are your beans, your lentils, your pastas, all of that kind of stuff, that can be packaged in buckets by you and stored for many years. And, and I've got extensive videos on a lot of different ways to do that stuff and to get into this whole food area. I've got videos just on that. Okay, so you can do it one of two ways. You can buy this stuff. Don't just put it on the shelf because little mites and little other things are going to get in their weevils. They're going to start eating your beans and your rice, and that's just not good. And then it's going to be nothing but chicken food, which my chickens happen to like that, but I try not to feed them that stuff if I don't have to because I try not to let my food get there. Okay, so you can prepackage your stuff in five-gallon buckets, one-gallon buckets, whatever you want to do. You just want to make it as... You want to space the stuff as efficiently as you can. I mean, I start out with uh, variety buckets, and I go to just single buckets of a single item. Again, you can go to the videos and look at that. Um, if you're not really ready to start doing your own buckets, you can get with uh, go on to Bob's Amazon site and look at Wise Foods. Uh, all of these people are creating all of these different and I'm not going to get into which ones are better and this or that because I don't actually use any of them. I do my own. It's more cost effective for me to do my own and I know what's going in them. But you can go to some of these places. You can go to Sam's. You can go to Walmart and buy a bucket and it'll tell you on the bucket and these are beautifully stackable buckets and it'll tell you that there is so many calories in this bucket and this bucket will feed a family of four for a week. So each bucket is a week. Okay? Uh, that's awesome. That That's a really good place to start. But don't think that you're going to fill a, a hallway closet with eight or ten buckets 
and two five-gallon things of water and say, okay, I'm done, I'm prepared. It never stops. Okay, you continually keep going. Okay, that stuff is really good. Those pre-done buckets are awesome if you have to bug out of an area for a hurricane or something like that or a wildfire, something where you're actually going to leave your home. Okay, so those are all good ideas. Uh, just keep that in mind. Okay, then we go to the next level. Okay, we've got our canned goods. We've got our, our, our dry goods. And now we're going to get into uh, our garden and livestock. Okay, again... Uh, one is two is one, one is none, you know, and three is even better. So we've got our canned goods, we've got our dry goods. On the other category, we've got the water, so we can work all that out and cook it and drink it and eat it and all that. Okay, now let's talk about livestock. Okay, if at all possible, if you have some livestock, that's awesome. Okay, uh, rabbits, chickens. You can start with the small livestock. Some people are more into uh, uh, geese, uh, goats. Um, whatever, you know, even if you get up into cows and buffalo or whatever you want to do, ostriches, you know, I don't know what everybody wants to do. Everybody's into something different. I happen to be a big fan of chickens and rabbits because they're easy and they're low maintenance. Again, I'm lazy. So I do with my chickens and my rabbits and they give me eggs. So people are like, well, how many chickens do you eat a year? I hardly eat any chicken. I mostly eat roosters because when you get the skin off of them, you can't tell what they were and chickens give me eggs. Okay? So keep that in mind. So if you, the more self-sufficient you can be, the more prepared you can be, and the longer you can go. Keeping in mind that when any one of these disasters hits, whatever the disaster may be, the goal is to eat everything in your refrigerator, then eat everything in your freezer. This is old earthquake school stuff from my time in California. You eat everything in the refrigerator because the power's out. Then you eat everything in the freezer because you didn't open the freezer, so therefore it's going to stay good for a while longer. Then you're going to get into your dry goods and, and your canned goods and all that. And now at the same time, you've got a subsidy of your animals, whether it be just eggs or whether you're trying to cull out uh, rabbits and chickens or whatever. Okay? So that covers food um, for the most part. And we're going to dabble around back and forth into a bunch of this. Okay. So we've gone over water. We've gone over food. Okay. Next thing you need is shelter. Okay. You have to keep yourself warm and try and stay out of the elements. Okay. If possible, have a wood-burning stove and a cord of wood or two cords of wood, whatever you can get. The best time to buy wood if you do have a fireplace is in the summertime. I mean, trees have gone down all winter long and people are cutting trees and, and whatever. See if you can get that wood. Stack it up. Split it. Have it seasoned. I mean, I know for $150, you can get a cord of wood delivered and stacked. You know, a cord of wood, I mean, in northeast Texas, it's uh, it's really, it gets pretty cold. Well, a cord, a cord and a half of wood will last you all winter, let alone two cords. So think about that. Um, candles and lanterns. If power's out, you're going to need candles and lanterns. Uh, so have some of that stuff stocked up. Um Having five or six lanterns is great. I mean, that's a really good start. Um, having candles is good. Um, if you have lanterns, keep in mind you have to have the oil to go with them. Now, something you need to remember is the oil that you burn in your citronella oil lantern outside cannot be burned inside. Okay? You cannot use citronella oil in the house. It's toxic. The reason you can use it outside is because you're in the open air. keeps the mosquitoes away. Okay? That's just a quick little safety note there. Okay, so if you got your lanterns, make sure you have way more than enough oil for what you're going to need. Um, if you have them in containers, try to keep them low to the ground uh, so that if something happens, they don't fall and you're not ending up with a flammable all over the floor. That's not good. Okay, um, tea lights. 
Okay, uh, I know that we've got an IKEA up in Dallas, and there's Costco, and there's Sam's or whatever your big thing is. If you can find tea lights, they are super cheap in the package. You can buy them in bulk. They're in a little aluminum tin, and you can just stack up hundreds and hundreds of them for a couple of bucks. They're nothing, and then you can use those in a little glass. In a little glass, just put them in, in a little glass, and they will emit light. Um, there's also other ways and videos where you can show using a terracotta pot uh, with the drip uh, terracotta drip pan to heat the house. You know, okay, and you can do that where the tea candle just heats up the terracotta pot. The terracotta pot, you know, puts out heat. So there's a bunch of things you can do there. Now, since we're dealing with, we think there's no power, so therefore we're having to use our home to get out of the elements. We've got a fireplace and that kind of stuff to stay warm. We're going to need light. Um, make sure that you've got uh, uh, fire extinguishers, ways to put out fire. You're suddenly going to be launched back 100 years, even if it's for a day or two while the power is out. Fire was a big problem back in the day. Okay, They had to worry about that. You're using candles. People are knocking over lanterns. Um, kids should never be left alone with lanterns or candles. Okay, uh, You want to use as few... Uh, candles and lanterns as you can at any one time. Have everybody in one room at a time. Don't be moving around too much. Okay? Um, I kind of throw this into the shelter realm of clothing. Okay? When you deal with your, your shelter, uh, make sure you've got clothes, warm clothes, cool clothes, clothes for uh, every time of year. Because when it gets cold and you're dealing with a fireplace, uh, you don't want to you don't want to be getting cold. You're going to have to go outside and get more wood. Make sure you have the proper clothing uh, put away. If you're at your house, you're probably going to have it. Um, if you have to bug out and go to a friend's house because your house is, is in a bad area or can be damaged, then you're going to want to make sure you take what you think you're going to need. Okay? So that's housing, uh, and it gets into, of course, keeping warm and cool depending on the time of the year. Okay. Next, we're going to get into security. Now, this is where most preppers just go bonkers, okay? I think this is one of the biggest mistakes. I think security is a very important step. Um, it is farther down because everybody needs food, everybody needs water, everybody needs shelter, okay? Without those, you don't really need the security or you're going to have a problem. Not, not that you don't need it, you're going to have a problem because if you start with security, you're going to have guns and bullets that you can't eat, Okay? Um, people say, well, I've got a good survival knife. Okay, knives are really good. Um, they're, they're very useful. It's a really good tool, okay? Um, in a disaster, it is to me, it is not a formidable weapon, okay? I'm just going to just go back to the old uh, adage, uh, don't take a knife to a gunfight, okay? You're going to have to protect yourself. You're going to have to rely on that. The police are not here to protect the individual, and I don't think any cop out there would tell you that they are. They are there to defend you if they are there, and help you, okay? The police are there to defend the masses. Okay, they're there to try to keep peace. But, I mean, I, you can see it on TV now. I mean, if rioters are, you know, in the streets, you know, rioting, the police are going to try to get peace, but the police will back up. And anybody caught behind that line of rioters, uh, they're left to their own devices because the police can't get in there to help you, okay? So, don't go nutso on on the gun stuff. Uh, yes, you need it all, but again, this is diversity. You need a very well-rounded plan. 
Try not to focus more on one than the other. I tend to do that a little bit, but I'm well-rounded. A lot of what we're doing, we're very well-rounded, so then I'll take off deeper into one subject, and I'll do that for a week, three weeks, a month, whatever, and then I'll move to another direction. So, and you'll see that on our on our webpage, on our Facebook group, where we start talking about training. Our training is all over the place. Okay, uh, I'm getting sidetracked. Back into security. Um, when it comes to security, first off, what you need to do is you need to have the training in in any and all weapons that you think you will have or need. Okay, and I say this, and this goes back into uh, Bob's uh, handgun site, is before you go out and buy a gun. Or have somebody buy you a gun, which I think having somebody buy you a gun is a horrible idea. You need to see what you're comfortable with. Um, everybody says, "Oh, yeah, this is a little compact Glock, or this or that, and, and you know, M&P, this and that." I don't get into all that because I think the individual one needs to have at least go out and shoot a gun, see if they like the caliber with that barrel length, that kind of thing. So once you see what you can handle, uh, what is if you can ha- you, you want to have the biggest gun theoretically that you can handle, but not so big that it's hard to control. Um, also, is the, how's the kick? How's the noise? How is the uh, intimidation factor with that weapon? Then you need to go and you need to shop for one that you like the feel, because uh, guns feel way—they're about like shoes. Okay, this shoe is very uncomfortable. You know, uh, color is not really an option, I don't think, because if, if you're a lady and you want pink grips, get a gun with pink grips, or get a gun and add pink grips. You can get all the aftermarket stuff on them you want, but it needs to feel good. It needs to be comfortable in your hand. All of the buttons and levers and switches and safeties and all that stuff, they need to be easy to get to. Okay, and without digging too deep into the gun thing, um, my good analogy is that uh, the Beretta 92F, which is what the military is using, I don't like it. Okay, and the reason I don't like it is my hand is not big enough to manipulate the safety that is on the upper slide or the upper receiver of that pistol. But I like the gun as far as the design, so I go with the with the Taurus. Uh, I believe it's the PT 92 and 99 because the safety is on the lower receiver, much like a 45. Okay, I can manipulate that without having to basically lose control my control grip of my of my weapon. Okay, so all of these little buttons and gadgets and all that, you need to be able to manipulate them. So having the proper weapon and the proper training is first before just going out and buying a gun. Okay, just keep that in mind. Um, It needs to suit your needs. I'm not a big revolver fan, but I know revolvers do have their place. Um, my, My downside with the revolver, it's not the revolver, it's the reloading ability. It takes time to reload. When you're reloading, you can't be doing any shooting. So I always want to have one in the pipe, and you can't do that with a revolver, okay? That's about enough said on that part. Okay, everybody's got to have a black gun, okay? Uh, everybody's got to have an AR. It's got to be all tricked out. It's all got to be all fun. Okay, you can't do that. Um, you can do that, but uh, when you do that, uh, you've got to make sure that you can carry it. One, a lot of people have ARs, but they can't hit a target with it because they don't know how the AR, AR works. They weren't prior service, so they don't know about that. Um, you got to be able to clear jams, load it, unload it. You know, what does this do? I mean, I know cops who never been trained with ARs, and yet they go out and they buy an AR, and like, I'm hitting this, I'm hitting this button here, and it won't, it won't break my weapon down. It's because that's not, that's not a takedown pin. That's a forward assist, and they don't know it. They don't understand it. And even me going out and showing them this, 
in a one-hour class is not going to be enough. I mean, in the military, you had M16 training for a week. And for a week, you carried that weapon and you took it down and you put it back together. We spent an entire day just disassembling and assembling it. Okay, and then going through the training and the and the, and the stoppage jams and all that kind of stuff. So, having a gun, having an AR is, is all fine and dandy. I mean, I've, I've got them. That's fine. Then you start adding gear to it. So because it's cool, you want to do this. Your gun is like your bug out bag. You're not going to be able to outfit it for every scenario. If you do, because my first bug out bag and I got a video showing it weighed over 50 pounds. That was my bag for every scenario. I've scaled back to a bag that's about 25 pounds. It's still, I think, too heavy for any serious walking, but it's what I have to have. So, so I've got that. Uh, so don't don't trick out your AR. Uh, or if you do, if you're going to trick it out, know what you're doing when you do it. So don't don't get too far into the guns. Everything in balance. Okay, back to balance. And the guns and the security are where I say the balance is. Now, security also gets into your property, your home. Bob just did a podcast on that where he goes into a bunch of stuff about that, so I don't really need to devil too far into that. Um, just security as far as weapons securing yourself. Um, okay, medical. Uh, everybody should know first aid. Everybody should know CPR. Um, when it comes to CPR, CPR is one of those uh, preparedness training things like any other prepper thing. It's something that a lot of people know. But nobody ever uses. And the reason nobody ever uses is because when was the last time, you know, you ran up on somebody, you know, that was in cardiac arrest? Okay? And, you know, take some medical training because you'll find out that cardiac arrest and heart attack are different. They're not the same. I thought they were the same for many years. Now I find out they're not. Okay? So get into medical training. Look at, look at, look at, uh, Bob's page, Bob's podcast, other podcasts, our Facebook group, and start digging in. Go to our YouTube, start looking at the videos, and you'll see a bunch of the resources on where we get this stuff so you can get the schooling. Okay? Um, okay, I mentioned uh, first aid, uh, medical supplies. One, before we begin in medical supplies, is medicines, medications. Um, nowadays, a bunch of us are on different uh, medications. Uh, we call them maintenance medications. Um, I'm a big fan of having up to a year's worth of it at a time. Um, if you can get it on a generic list, you pay cash for it. It's even cheaper than buying it through the insurance most of the time. Okay, but when you're when you have your maintenance medication, go in and buy a 90-day supply. It's like ten dollars if you can get it on a generic list. Some of my stuff's a little higher, but so you order it, and if you're paying cash and not going through insurance, then there's no time frame. If you're going through insurance and you want to buy your whatever it is medicine and they go, okay, here's a 90-day supply. Three days after I pick it up, I call in to have it refilled. I go back in and I get another 90-day supply. Okay, a month later, I'll have a nice paycheck. I'll go get another 90-day supply. So I can get a year's worth of medicine at one time or within a month or so. So because I can do that, I, I have it backstocked. So if there is a problem and it's a, it's a big natural, you know, natural disaster or whatever it is, whether it be a week or a month, I don't have to go go into town and try to get medicine, and you know the pharmacy may not even be open. Keeping in mind that when you're dealing with all of this, everything is based on the just-in-time delivery system, whether it be food, water, your grocery stores, uh, gasoline, medical supplies, whatever. Everything's being delivered almost on a daily basis. Okay. Um, so another thing is have the supplies, have a first aid kit, 
I suggest everybody have a first aid kit and water and a little bit of food in every vehicle. Have it in your house. Have have first aid supplies that that are more advanced than you. You should have more than you are actually qualified to use. Now, I said the word qualified. I did not say the word certified. Okay. Um, I have done stitches. Uh, I've had stitches done right here in my house, on my hand. Uh, I've had my face cut. Uh, we use butterflies and, uh, and new skin and liquid band-aid and all that kind of stuff to fix all of these problems. Okay. We're qualified to do that. Okay. We are not certified to do that. Okay. Years and years ago, you know, if you were on the farm and you got cut, well, you came in and, you know, mama cleaned it up and she stitched it up for you and you were good. She just used thread. You know, now you can go out to Amazon and buy, you know, sutures and all of this stuff and get the training. Get as much training as you can. Not everybody is a paramedic. Not everybody's an EMT. Not everybody's a nurse or a doctor. I mean, trying to have a nurse or a doctor in your home or in your group or in your network is almost as hard as having trying to get a Navy SEAL into your unit. Okay? There's just not that many to go around. Okay, so get, gather your supplies, have first aid kits. I have an, an, I have what I call an overflow bag for my medical. It's stuff that I'm not I'm not qualified to use. I mean, I've got scalpels, I've got syringes, I've got all kinds of stuff for all kinds of different reasons. When you get into uh, medical, you also can look at medicinal. Okay, start looking at medicinal. A lot of people use essential oils. Um, when people are gardening. I grow a lot of herbs. Okay, those herbs, you know, I got a tummy ache. Okay, go out there, pull off some basil, put it in your tea. Break, you know, break it up, put it in your tea. That'll help your stomach. We're diversifying our medical backstock. We're diversifying our training. We're diversifying our supplies. We're diversifying how we get our medicines. You know, whether it be prescription or medicinal herbs, oils, whatever. Okay, we get way deep into that. And again, go to the group and you can see a bunch of this stuff. Okay. Um, next is communications. We're going to talk about communications and all forms of communications. Um, I'm not going to get real heavy into one, I don't think, than the other. Um, one, first off, all of your communications uh, need to be need to have a backup power, and all of your communications need to have an alternate source of communication. So, of course, the obvious first means of communication is voice or auditory. The next is hand signals, flags, whatever like that, okay? So these are just things for you to think about. I'm trying to open your mind to some of this. Um, AM, FM radios, you got to hear what's going on. I mean, if the roads are closed because there's trees down everywhere, you know, or whatever it is, you know, the zombie apocalypse is out and the zombies have, you know, are sitting on the bridge, you don't want to go out there, you got to have a radio. Now, you can go to Amazon and buy a little solar-powered hand crank radio for 20 bucks. Okay, nice to have in the house. You know, if the power goes down due to a bad storm, I can set this thing up, and if there's sun, I can get it charged up. If not, I can crank it up. Okay, just just when I need it. Okay, um, cell phones. Uh, you may or may not be able to get a cell phone out call out, but you may be able to get a text out. Okay, uh, CBs, uh, FRS, GMRS radios that you can get at Walmart. Uh, we get ours on Amazon. I'm not going to get too far into the band, into the brands or whatever, because you can go to the groups and look at that. Um, advanced for advanced people, you can get into ham radios and other forms of radios. 
Um, I'll get more into the FRS, GMRS, and ham radios here in a minute. Uh, I want to get into something that people don't realize about your Wi-Fi. Did you know that if your power is out for days, your Wi-Fi and your internet actually probably still works? All you have to do is look at the back of your Wi-Fi router that comes in from your DSL server or whatever if you've got DSL or cable. Okay, all of that, most of that's underground. Okay, if you can power up that router, you're probably going to be able to get get out. You know, if you've got a if you've got a cell phone, you know, and I know like with AT and T, you can use the uh, the iPhone network because I've got iPhones, so I can text somebody with an iPhone through my router. Okay, um, I've got a booster for my cell phone, so I get I can it'll my router will boost my cell phone signal. You know, you can get an email out to somebody that may be in an area that's not affected. Okay? All you have to do is figure out how to power up your router, your internet router, again, whether it be cable or whatever, chances are you're going to be able to get a signal out. Just think about that. Your router with power can get you signal. I mean, your laptop. You can use your laptop. You can use your phone. These things can all be charged easily. I mean, laptops and phones can be charged in your vehicle. I mean, you can go out and get some solar panels and charge them. You, there's many different ways to charge this. I'm not going to get too far into power, but just keep that in mind. A lot of people don't think about that. Something else is go out and get what we call a POTS phone, a plain old telephone system. Okay? A phone that you just plug into the wall. It takes no power. Okay? It can be push button. It can be rotary if you can find a rotary. You know, you may have a rotary phone. You can coil up the cord and put it up on your mantle and it looks cool it looks antique guess what it still works okay if you unplug your cordless phone that will not work due to lack of power the the phone itself has power because it's got a battery in it the base station does not okay so then it goes back to if you can power that up yeah you can get you, you may be able to get a phone call out maybe not um the plain old telephone system, the push button or the rotary, plug it into the wall, it will work. So if you lose power, you need to have one of those phones on hand, you know, in a box in a closet somewhere, and you need to know where it is, or even in your your prepper supplies, just know that it's there, and have it easily labeled on a box that it's there, okay? It takes no power. Okay, I'm going to get a little farther into the GMRS and uh, FRS stuff uh, with ham. Now, um... When you go to Walmart or Sam's or whatever your local store is that you're going to use, they have these radios, these little walkie-talkies, and daycares use them and schools use them, and they're all great. And, you know, they say it can transmit up to 14 miles or yada, 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 and then you go out and you try to actually field test that, and you can only get a mile, a mile and a half. And depending on the structure, you may not be able to get across a campus, you know, in a school or in a, uh, uh, in a mall just due to the way the building structure is, okay? So, it's not false advertising with GMRS radios and some of these walkie-talkies. It is, for the GMRS, you're actually supposed to have a license. I don't think it's really enforced really all that hard. But, if you go online and you get your GMRS license, uh, you go to uh, FCC.gov, um, and that's where you apply. It's kind of a pain to jump through some of the hoops to find out where to do it. Um, you can also go to mygmrs.com. 
uh, and look at that. Now, mygmrs.com, you type in your state or your area. I typically just open it up by state, by the state of Texas, and it will show me all of the repeaters in my area. This is how these GMRS radios go 20-some miles. Because what it is is people put up uh, repeater towers, so my radio bounces off of a very high repeater that is somewhere else. Now, in my area, uh, my repeater is some 20-some miles away. Well, Super Dave is 15 miles the other direction. But we can both hit that repeater. We may not be able to hit each other with our radios, but we can both hit that repeater. So, when I call him on my repeater, when I call him on my radio, it bounces off the repeater and hits him. So that's how you turn around and you take that I'm 20-some miles or whatever from the repeater. Well, he may be 20 miles the other side of it. Well, guess what? We're now able to talk 40 miles apart on a handheld radio. Okay? Now, for the GMRS license, um, there is a fee for that. It's something in the ballpark about $90. Um, I want to say it's good for four years, maybe five. Uh, I think it's four. But once you've got it, you've got it. And all you do, it's 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 kind of a low tech ham radio, in a sense. Don't radio guys don't beat me up about this, and I'm not. I'm just trying to simplify it. When you pull up your radio, you basically just do a station identification. You know, this is A B C D E F G one two three. You know, and then I go Super Dave, are you out there? And then Super Dave comes up with. EFG 789, I'm here. What's going on? And then you're in an open conversation. Okay? Then all you have to do is about every 15 minutes, just identify yourself, and they will do the same thing, and you're good. And if, you, if you're done, then you will use your identification and sign off. Okay? So there's not a bunch of this big jargon stuff like the police and the military use. It's really open conversation. Now, what you do is you go to, once you get your license, you take your license number, you go to mygmrs.com, you find a tower, you'll click on, on the owner and you'll ask them for permission to jump on their tower. Uh, most people will let you know, yes, jump on that tower. Those people are great resources to tell you which towers are down and which people are not friendly. <laughs> which towers are not friendly towers. Which, everybody's got their own thing. Now, that is a prelude to, and there's no test for this, but the GMRS license is the prelude to get you ready and get you into the ham. Now, the radios we use are the same radios we can use for ham, but we're not up in the ham frequencies. So, now for the ham, you have to take a class so you know what you're doing or do all the reading on your own, and then you have to take a test. And then at the end of that test, you get your ham license, and then your ham license as an operator lets you get out there with only so much strength and so much range to talk. You know, and then you can listen. The ham equipment is quite a bit more expensive, but you can do a lot more with it. And then, from, and then, as you use it and you go up in the ham levels, it lets you do more and more things. Okay. Now, um, when it comes to ham and GMRS, both really the licensing restrictions go away during time of disaster. Um, you'll, if you look at the rules, it'll tell you that in a time of disaster, uh, in a time of emergency. Um, the licensing requirements go away so you can use them. Um, the problem with that, I think, for most people, 
is that you, I want everybody to practice with everything. So I want you already practicing with your radio. Well, the only way to practice without getting in trouble and getting a fine is to go ahead and pay the $90 fee for the GMRS or whatever the fee is for the ham. So you can use it and you're ready uh, when the emergency comes and you're not going to irritate people. Because after the disaster, whatever it is, you've got to turn around and deal with those people. Even though it was a disaster, you were allowed. If you're jumping on somebody else's tower, you've never met them, you've never asked them for their permission. So don't go out and assume you're allowed to use somebody else's tower or equipment without permission. I understand it's a disaster, but you got to deal with the ramifications afterwards. Okay? So that's really all, just kind of the a, a gist of what I want to talk about. It's kind of short and sweet. Um, remember to keep your preparations diverse in all realms. Uh, everything needs to be well balanced. Um, you know, water water is water is great. We all need water. If you get nothing but water, you're going to drown. Okay, uh, all guns and bullets, and you become the marauder that you planned that you got all these guns and ammo to defend yourself from, because you can't eat bullets, and you can't be one of these Rambo guys that say, "I'm just going to go out and live off the land," and you know, blah blah blah. Okay. Uh, walk through the woods. Take a walk through the woods, you know, and see how many, you know, deer you see. See how many hogs you see. See how many squirrels you see. You're not going to see all that many. So don't think you're going to feed your family that way. You know, be diverse. Don't go all, all guns. You know, don't go food and no guns, okay? Uh, if you're, if you're all food and water and no guns and ammo, you'll be the, the victim that the guy that bought all the guns and ammo and none of the food is looking for. Okay, and don't think that just because you've got all of one or the other that you can recruit this other person to come and network with you because now you have to have them living in your home and you may not like them and having somebody come stay with you that you do not know and do not trust is not a good thing to do Okay, um, creating a network of people now whether it be a network, uh, a group uh, for mutual support in all scenarios is really good um, if you've got friends that live down on the east coast or the west coast or down in the gulf that deal with hurricanes you know and you network with them and you, you've got to find out which ones you like and which ones you don't like you know you may want to invite them to come up you know and stay with you during during a hurricane at the same time i mean if something's going on in your area you know you may want to have someplace else to go so already having this stuff networked and having these people you know be friends with you is really good something else for people who if you do need to bug out, again, you're gonna you want to be diverse. You want to carry as little as possible so you can get out as fast as possible. Uh, with the Gulf area and Katrina and all that, people were stuck on the highway because everybody waited till the last minute to get out. Get out early. You know, yeah, you may lose a day's pay or two, but you're not going to be stuck on the highway running out of gas. Okay, um, you may want to stage stuff. You know, go ahead and do it. You know. Once you establish somebody outside of your area that you're gonna, you would theoretically bug out to, load up your car, load up your truck with with a bunch of stuff that you would need up there, clothes, food, water, you know, maybe some weapons if you really trust them, all that. Take it up there, take it to that to that other person's house, and just stage it there. Ask them, hey, can I bring up some stuff and leave it in your garage? You know, and whether it be food or you know whatever, and of course with food you want to make sure it doesn't get it stays kind of temperature controlled. But you get the idea of staging stuff so that if push comes to shove, you only got to grab a last minute things, grab enough, more more than enough food and water to get you there 
in case you have a problem, but you're not having to load all of this stuff because you can't bug out with all of this stuff all at once. Having it staged is a good plan. So really, that's it. Um, I just want to kind of go over this, you know, and show people how you have to be a diverse prepper, uh, have all of your skills, a little of every skill. If, if somebody's more interested in this, then great. You can go over here and worry about this and study on this so that as a whole, your group, your network, or your family is diverse so that everybody has something that they're good at. And then everybody needs to teach everybody else. Okay, um, a lot of the stuff and equipment I've talked about, um, you can go on to Bob's Amazon account, uh, go on there, you're going to buy it anyway, uh, it doesn't cost you anymore, Bob gets a little commission uh, from Amazon for you know going through him, uh, help him out there, uh, look at all the, all the reviews and the field tests and the field tests that we do, and just see what works and what doesn't. Um, go over to Bob's Handgun World podcast and see what Bob's doing over there as far as training. You know, Bob does you know firearms training. If you can get to an area that he's in, or if you can get a big enough class, you know, see if he can come up there and train you. Uh, there's all of this stuff to do. Um, it's all over the place. Really, I just I really try to tell people, you know, train, train, train. Gather your stuff. Uh, it doesn't have to be the big cool stuff. It just has to work. Okay, so that's it. Uh, I just want to try to get everybody to train, get prepped, uh, be diverse, be, be well balanced, and uh, we appreciate it. And if you want to check us out, uh, we're on Facebook, uh, Northeast Texas Preppers on Facebook. Um, you can email us uh, from the from the Facebook group. You can email us from Northeast Texas Northeast Texas Preppers at yahoo.com. That's our new email. Um, people have asked us if we're going to start up our own podcast or blog or whatever, and we're just doing too much training to do that. So we like to help Bob out and, and other people and just get the word out this way. Uh, this works for us the best, and it's the most efficient for everybody. So that's it. Uh, I appreciate you all coming in and listening, and I hope this helped you out some. And I uh, appreciate Bob for all he does um, and anybody else. Uh, like Bob says, I like to see other people putting out podcasts as well and uh, trying to help Bob out. So that's it. Uh, We hope to hear from you all soon, and uh, have a good day. All right. Thank you, Joe. That was just some good, diverse, practical information. So very good for this episode, and many, many thanks to Joe. And I just want to say one more time, uh, join us on the forum Go to todayssurvival.com, click the forum button, send me an email at bob at todayssurvival.com. Remember, there's two S's in that web address. And tell me that you signed up, tell me what your username is, and I'll try to get your account approved as quick as I can. I also start a thread under the sub-forum comments on the podcasts. So if you go to the forum, even if you're not a member, you, you can look at comments about every episode. So for this episode, I will start a thread. Just click the sub-forum that says comments about the podcasts. Well, okay, that's going to pretty much wrap up this episode. I'm Bob Main. This was, you have just got done listening to, Mexican Joe from the forum with Northeast Texas Preppers. It's my goal to help you do what you can with what you have wherever you are. Keep prepping on. I'll talk to you next time. Goodbye.